just because you don't want to pay payroll tax and then they start oh well he's actually here on an itinerary he's undocumented and i'm paying him cash and it's like welcome to the cloud accounting podcast i'm blake oliver i'm david leary i'm jose zavala tony martinez awesome Hey guys, we are here. Welcome. This is our first interview we're doing live at AccountX USA in Boston. Weather's been beautiful. Last night we went to the Red Sox game, but yep. it, it was uh, baseball games are long. There was a rain <laughs> delay, and then I learned that apparently they do not do Sweet Caroline at the bottom of the seventh. It's actually mm-hmm. at the bottom of the eighth. And Blake and I just couldn't stick it out last night. <laughs> so. But welcome, guys. We're here. Uh, brought you guys on the podcast today because I wanted to uh, learn more about the whole Latinx community. I know you guys do uh, things with Latino tax pros. You have a uh, Cantabi Alliance. There's just a lot happening. And just kind of hopefully Blake and I can learn, our listeners can learn, like, why the Latin market is so important in North America. But then i say, like, this whole hemisphere, right? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it, it is a market that... Uh kind of expands based out of here you know and i know tony has the numbers and i don't want to take it because i know you you guys are doing a lot so let me take a step back i'll let tony you know talk (laughs) about it and then i'll kind of fill in because if not i'm going to take over the show so go yeah no worries no yeah um we work a lot with jose um because he has a lot of clients who are latinos or immigrant clients and well when we started Latino Tax Professionals Association, our first goal was to bring people together who may be Latino or speak Spanish and may need content and education in their language. But over the years, we started getting phone calls from non-Latinos saying, hey, I'm not a Latino, I'm in Alabama, I'm in the Midwest, but I have an influx of these Latinos in my town, in my city. They're opening up businesses, they have families. How do I do their taxes? What forms do I use? And so we started, oh, changing our, uh, our approach and basically saying anybody that works with this market, join us. Because we have the content, we have the education around it, we have the resources to help you serve that, mar- that market. And I believe there's about 4 million Latino small business owners in the country. And so they keep growing every year. I think I saw something. It's like eight of 10 small businesses right now being started or started by Latinos, I think, in the mm-hmm. States, which is, that's an insane number. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so what ha- what's happening is a lot of our members that we work with, the tax and accounting professionals, they're coming to us and they're asking, hey, my clients are opening up new businesses. They want to incorporate. They're hiring people. How do I do payroll? How do I do HR? How do I do business insurance? How do I do accounting, bookkeeping? And um, because uh, the market is very underserved. So by us trying to fill that void, uh, we get a lot of engagement. And do you see that also? Oh, yeah, 100 percent. I mean, they're, they're, you know. For me, I kind of, you know, started doing it and I started off just doing taxes and everything and just moved into more, you know, kind of the cloud based and, and all that. And uh, but one thing I do see a lot and a lot of colleagues and, and going to a lot of these events is, is people trying to find how, how do I serve them? How do I serve the Latinos? You know, and I get asked that a lot. Well, they may have an ITIN, you know, because when it comes to with an ITIN, you know, there's it's different, you know, and I, there's something I and want what to is see. that. Uh, identification number. So oh, it's yeah. just um, an ITIN is essessentially a, an identification number for whenever you uh, you're not uh, a U.S. citizen. So if you don't have so a social security number, you get an that's what you get. Yeah, okay. but you're not allowed to work on an ITIN. People still do, and you know, it, do what you do. But um, but it's just you know those situations because whenever you get to, to that situation with with an ITIN, it's like okay, well, how do I prepare this tax return? You know, how how do I approach this? And so it, it, that's something I've seen a lot, and I think that Tony they do a really good job over there of educating and. You know, I'll tell you this. I'm part of the VIP program. I had somebody come with a visa. And they're like, hey, I need to prepare a tax return with, with this specific visa that I've never heard of before. Reached out to them, and within, I think, a day or two, Tony himself was like, hey, this is what you need. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> all right then. I'm so much better. All right, so, so just to back up a second. So, yeah. is, Jose, you have your own practice. Yes. ZTX Advisors. Yes. And 
Tony, you are running an organization that trains and supports people like Jose and Market. Is this correct what Latino Tax Pros does? Yeah, yeah. In essence, um, Latino Tax Pro is an association with members, and the members are tax and accounting professionals who are serving Latino and immigrant taxpayers. We also have our own tax and accounting firm in Monterey County, California, under Lopez Tax Service. That's the one that um, our founder, Carlos Lopez, started 35 years ago, and that's where we have our footprint in Monterey County. But learning from that, we're helping other tax and accounting professionals uh, scale their business, serve the market, hire the right employees to serve the market. So we have a program called the Start Your Own Tax School in order for a tax office to find qualified employees to be able to serve Latinos or immigrants. And it's all driven through how the tax law applies to the immigrant taxpayer. There's 44 million immigrants in the country. A lot of them are here on visas, some are here are residents, some are not authorized to be here, but they are and they're making money. Even though illegally they're making the money because they're not authorized to work. But like Jose said, if they're making money, the IRS's approach is cool, file a tax return. Well, I don't have a social security number. How do I file a tax return? No worries, apply for an ITIN. Then you file a tax return. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that they're breaking the law by working without authorization has nothing to do with the IRS. The IRS just says, if you make money, legal or illegally, you file a tax return to pay your taxes on it. So where does it, and maybe this is a question for you, Blake, like where does like CPA ethics fall into that? Like if you know somebody's working illegally, like is it your job just to file the return and keep the IRS happy or is it your job to like be the police? Putting air quotes here, but... I don't know. Uh, we probably should have asked that of the cannabis folks that we talked to a few weeks ago, because I mean that was the issue in California until recently, right? But mm -hmm. I think the the compliance is. I don't know. You you guys talk about it like. Well, for it, me, it, the way I see it is this, man. It's just uh, you know you, you're staying compliant. They they yeah. made income, whether it's illegal or not. You know you need to file a tax yeah. return, and that's that's the way I see it. It's like we're keeping them at least. Look, yeah, you may you know Department of Labor or whatever it is, whoever other organization may have a problem with you working. If you're working and making money, at least the IRS is going to be off your back. They can't say anything yeah. because you're paying you're paying your taxes, and yeah, you don't you miss out on a couple a couple items here and there. But I mean, at least you're paying your taxes, so you at least know, hey, that's taken care of. You're not going to have two hammers coming down. Yeah, don't on you. don't break two crimes. Exactly. Kind of, that's yeah. a good policy. So, and that, that's at least what I tell my clients. You know, because they're like, well, I don't need to file a tax return. I'm like, yeah, you do, because eventually you want to make this legit. You want to get your you know you want to get your your residency card, or you want to be you know authorized to work here. And then all of a sudden you're going to start filing a tax return and you've got, you know, a $2 million gross revenue business. Like it doesn't work like that. Nobody yeah. is that good overnight. And then they're going to, you know, that's going to open up a red flag. So we talked about the international issues, the documentation issues, right? Like uh, unique to, well, not unique, but just, uh, you know, more significant in the Latino community when it comes to taxes. Are there any other specific uh, challenges facing the Latino community when it comes to accounting tax that you support? So, uh, so is this, is this, are we talking in the U.S. or are we talking globally? Uh, we can do both. Let's talk both. Okay, so U.S.? I'll let, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you, what we've been seeing is um, they call them a, a mixed-status family. So there's about 16 million people in this country that are part of a, a mixed-status family. What a mixed-status family is, it's uh, individuals living under the, the same household with different immigration statuses. So you may have people that are here on a visa or, or the DACA recipients or residents or unauthorized individuals all within the same household on the same tax return for that matter. So typical situation, parents are undocumented, they're filing with an I-10, but children are citizens and filing with a social security number. Now, on the 1040 tax return, how do you fill that out? I mean, 
who gets certain credits, who doesn't. Uh, another example, the, the, the DACA recipients, they're here, they're uh, technically not lawfully present. They're only uh, deferred from being taken action on deportation action because of an executive order. So they're authorized to work, they're given social security numbers, so they're eligible for what's called the, like, the earned income tax credit if they otherwise qualify for. However, the Affordable Care Act does not apply to them hmm. because they're technically not lawfully present. And so these unique situations come up by serving the market. And it's not just the Latino market. It's really the immigrant taxpayer right. of America, regardless of what country they're, they're coming from, because they may encounter some of these situations. Uh, but that's on the family, uh, on the individual side. On the business side, we've been noticing a lot of small business owners. They're really, especially in the Latino or immigrant market, they're really good at starting a business. They'll open up a restaurant, construction firm, landscaping, and they're, they're making money, they start paying people, and they realize, hey, I'm not doing things right. Um, I need to start withholding payroll tax, or I need to um, hire the right accounting. Um, do you see that often with uh, serving the Latino so, market? So, yes, I, I'm going to say that. So, they, they, they're great at starting businesses. They get out there and they hustle. Man, they, they are the hardest working people ever. The only problem is, you know, immediately they start to look into some of these, you know, notary shops and these, you know, unlicensed preparers, which a lot of them are, are very educated, you know, and, but some aren't. And so they, they get bad advice like, oh, you want to bring on people? They're all contractors. No, 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 no. It's not that easy. Yeah. Like, you, like, you know, I mean, not in California, you yeah. know, like you just because, you know, you, you don't want to pay payroll taxes. And then they then they start, you know, oh, well, he's actually here on an itinerary. He's undocumented and I'm paying him cash. And it's like, oh, you know, it's just, there's another level right there that you got to yeah. kind of like, hey. So it, it, that, that's what I've seen. It's just it's about education. I feel like, you know, they, yeah. and, and, and where I think you guys do a great job is educating the practitioners to educate the community. Mm hmm. You know, because that, that's, I think, the best way to do it because they, they're going to, they come to us because we're, we're supposed yeah. to be the professionals, you know? And so if we can educate them right, now they're going to say, well, I don't like that. I, I pay more money. It's like, yeah, you're paying more money in payroll taxes, but you want the IRS to come down and hit you with penalties and interest. And, you know, they were talking about payroll taxes. That's, that's a criminal offense if it goes too long. And, you know, and mm -hmm. then, then it's just kind of like, oh. So, so it almost sounds like this is a, to some extent, a niche because, like, and I've, and I've seen, I've seen software uh, products like, hey, if we just, Create in Spanish, we can go after the Hispanic community, and maybe that doesn't actually make the most sense. But even if this, if I have a firm now and I want to, I'm like, hey, look at this growing market. There's an opportunity here. If I just market to them, I actually need a lot of extra tax expertise. I need, well, there's going to be situations that I'm only going to see in that community mm -hmm. just because you said there's, there's mixed families, the way they're doing things, they've gotten bad advice, and mm -hmm. I have to have some level of expertise, and I think that's where the Latino tax pros comes in. Like, you're that support structure for me as a firm owner. It's it's beyond just marketing. Mm -hmm. right? So here's a question, right? Uh, I've noticed, like, at least in L.A., I don't know what it's like everywhere else, but the CPA firms and communities tend to be highly segregated in that, like, like at least in where I live, you know, I go to these CPA events, and it's like a bunch of white guys, and all their clients are, like, a bunch of white I, people. I've seen Tony at the last, like, four conferences in a row. <laughs> the only one. Well, it's, yeah. So, like, let's say I, you know, I'm a, I'm a practice owner, right? And I've got like my traditional practice, and like I want to diversify, right? I want to, I want to go after these entrepreneurs, yeah, yeah the yeah. immigrants who are, but like, I don't have anyone in my practice who speaks Spanish. I don't know anything about these issues, right? So it's like a real challenge, right? Mm -hmm. How do I? So can I come to you as, you know, like, and and, and would you help me, like? market to Latinos or learn how to like solve their problems or something like that? I, yeah. mean, that I mean, one of the best ways is to go to um, one of our events because 
we bring people together who are serving the market. Yeah. So when you go to an event, you're able to meet people like Jose, uh, have those conversations on how to be able to reach out to that those small business owners. Yeah. I know there's also uh, like the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce that has events, um, and and many things um, around uh, around the area that you may want to encounter. But one of the best ways that is through uh, hiring maybe somebody that's bicultural, mm-hmm. bilingual, who has access to that community, um, and and you may want to um, be be picky on who you work with at first because it might not be a good fit for you. Uh, and like like Jose said, unfortunately, a lot of people, they're good at starting a business, and you're trying to get them some guidance. They're like, no, no, my brother-in-law is doing it this way, and he grew his business, so I'm not going to follow you. It's like, no, come on, do it right. <laughs> because um, a lot of the data, so there's a report by the Stanford Graduate School of Business on the Latino entrepreneurship, state of the Latino entrepreneurship, and it shows that Latinos, yeah, they start businesses, but they cap out. They can't scale them. And a lot of uh, it has to do with not having proper bookkeeping, accounting, not having... Uh, financial literacy, in my opinion, is the gap that needs to be filled. And that's why I always invite when I meet a lot of the partners and exhibitors um, and sponsors um, around the way, whether it's yeah. a lot of people here like Paychex, ADP, Gusto, into at zero. It's like help us uh, fill that gap with education and awareness. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Right Networks. In a perfect world, everyone would have 100% of their clients on a cloud-based accounting system using cloud-based apps. But the world isn't perfect and clients have a wide range of needs. And for some, this means using desktop-based software. That's where Right Networks comes in. Right Networks is your 100% accounting-focused desktop in the cloud that also includes an ecosystem of over 250 connected apps. As you and your clients take the journey to the cloud, Right Networks will be at your side, innovating the best ways to leverage the true cloud future by investing heavily in cloud apps like Transaction Pro and Autofy. They've created an always-on environment that supports 24-7 data transfer. Right Networks also offers no scheduled downtime for maintenance or application updates and meets the industry's highest security standards. To join the more than 50,000 firms that use Right Networks daily with their clients, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash rncloud. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash rncloud. And be sure to visit the Right Networks booth in San Jose at QuickBurst Connect 2019. It's, and so that's something I, you know, I've kind of made it my mission is, is, is there's not a lot of resources in Spanish. You can find education and webinars and things with Zero, with QuickBooks, with, you know, Gusto. They do things in, in English mm-hmm. all day. A lot of these people, they speak English, you know, some practitioners, small businesses, they speak English, but they prefer to consume the content in Spanish. The product can be in English. That's not an issue. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. the support and the content needs to be in Spanish. And so that's where I'm trying to fill in that gap. And that's yeah. where I've been working with them. And kind of like, hey, you know, let me let me make these videos, you know. So I made like a for practice ignition, I made a how-to video in Spanish because I use it so much. And, and I've already had a lot of people, oh, I love it. I love it. But then you go back to, oh, it's too expensive. Yeah, but then, you know, kind of changing the mindset of how oh. much time are you... Yeah, but, you know, take some existing content, right, and and have somebody, can you know, translate that and re- recreate it. I mean, yeah, and, and, and that's gonna, that's, that would pay off dividends because that, that's what I've noticed is they want that content in Spanish. Right. So I'm going to repeat this because I know we have a set of app developers that listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. All right. What you need to do is you need to create your training and your content in Spanish, but your product itself can be in English. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Keep the product as is. What my my uh, advice is: get somebody that's bicultural, bilingual, 
and have them in your booth. Have them talk to people. Yeah. Have them create those relationships. Because people mm-hmm. then, you know, they feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. They look like you, they speak like you, they hang out like you. Um, and then if you just have a build out your support and sales force, that, and maybe bilingual English and Spanish, and that's what they want. They want to basically be able to be guided. And they'll use the, a lot of the software that exists in English. People use it fine. It's just if they have a question on it, if they want to <coughs> understand how things work, they want to easily be able to communicate. Yeah. And that happens to be in a different language at times. So it, you know, it's funny you say that because, uh, yeah, uh, and it's true because, um, you know, with Zero, uh, I'm really actively involved with Zero, and we have a community in Latin America that we meet once a month and we talk. And a lot of the big thing they say is, you know, the product down there, it could be in English. We speak English. We're okay with, you know, again, reiterating, it's just there's no training in Spanish. How am I going to get my colleagues or my small business owners to use it? I have to do it all. And then they have to translate the videos and they have to do everything. It's not scalable, you know? And so, and so that's what I want to do. And that's what I've been, you know, working with them and kind of on my own is, is to try to change that mindset of, you know, guys, there's a different way to, to work and, to try to get past that cap that you were saying. You know, you get to that certain point and then you can't scale anymore. Okay, how do we get from there to the next step? You know, and a lot of that is, again, the financial literacy and the education. Again, coming from the perspective of, let's say, you know, let's pretend I'm in a CPA firm. We don't, we don't have many Hispanic clients, Latino clients. You know, we're, <laughs> we're like stumbling in our efforts to reach this community. Like, how do we, how do we go about, uh, or, or maybe it's a software company too, right? That's never done this. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the pitfalls? How do we avoid, you know, um, like doing outreach without coming across as just like totally out of touch? Like trying too hard? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you said... You said I'll, I'll, I'll leave it. I mean, I think that that's a great question for you guys. And I'd like to know what, what your thoughts on it because I've got a few thoughts on it. Yeah, that no, too. yeah. Like something we do at all of our events, including our big event, Latino Tax Fest. We have one big room in English, one big room in Espanol and Spanish. And we're giving the content in both languages. Now, like we said, if most people speak English. They're bilingual. Right. But they may prefer to go to a language that, like in Spanish, and they're, they're consuming the content. People that they interact with are bicultural, bilingual. I, I mean, I never understood why, like, into it. I know they have the road shows. Why they don't do, like, an English and Spanish track in the same location. I mean, the Latino market using, like, QuickBooks is huge. I, I, I think Joe Woodard's with the uh, Scaling New Heights conference, I think they have a Latino track or a Spanish track now. Oh, wow. I, think, I think like so there That's is awesome. it started right in this yeah. industry like it's starting yeah, to, I mean yeah, yeah. as far as I can tell I count tech USA other than Latino tax pros having a booth here in this interview I don't think anything's happening yeah, yeah exactly at this yeah. conference um, overall no yeah and then uh, that because we also have a uh, regional seminars um, they're one day events but we do we happen to have two rooms you know and so we have but to reach out to the market the, yeah mm-hmm. I would say go to events um um, um, encounter people maybe hire somebody who's bilingual and bicultural yeah. um, and, and could you help me find that person Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. So um, something we're looking to launch is a directory uh, and maybe starting uh, chapters across the country uh, through Latino Tax Pro to have like monthly meetups. So you could go and maybe meet up. And I would talk about in Houston. Yeah, we, we, that's something we've been trying to get going in Houston. It's just been a little bit hard to do. But, uh, you know, yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, but but to, to say it on your point as well, you know, what, what can you do without coming off kind of fake or, or pretending is just right. kind of. Just be genuine. You know, don't don't come out there. Don't don't sell. You know, but that's that's with everything. I mean, if, if you have a software that comes out and you're like, hey, you need to buy us because we're the best. No, <laughs> I'm not gonna buy you. You know, just you know, it, it's all about giving. It goes back to you know, just giving the free, con- giving the value, and then yeah. let them see what the value is. You know, at least that that's my personal opinion. I could be way off, but you know, that's just kind of how I think. Yeah. So so let's say you solve the U.S. 
like, right? Latino tax pros gets all accounting professionals up to speed and the Latin market is just served in the US. I've been hearing about this thing um, that's really attacking the whole, all Latin countries in this hemisphere, uh, Cantabi Alliance. Can you speak to like what that is, like what the goals are? Because I think it's, it's at a much higher level than just specific to U.S. taxes and U.S. small businesses, right? Yeah, yeah. I know, um, speaking with uh, Arturo Garcia and Joel Lacayo, they're, they're um, involved, as the co-founders of that. And so um, it's exciting that what they're looking to do in outreach outside of the U.S. down to the Latin American countries. And again, fill that gap. Serve the underserved. I think I, I keep using that term because by them serving the underserved people who may not have these technologies, and from what I understand, a lot of these accountants in Latin America, they're not on the cloud. They may not have access to a lot of the tech stack uh, apps and such. And so they're looking to introduce um, these technologies and these resources to them to make it more efficient. And at the same time, uh, it'll lead to engagement. If we can bring everybody together, we can learn from each other. So, so that's a huge market Conversations as well. with, with them, from what they told me, they're trying to create a BDO alliance. Uh, Russell Bedford, the, the, you know those big international alliances that, that the CPA firms are involved? They're trying to create that for the Latinos. That's kind of the big vision is, is to create something like that. So, you know, to where, because like, you know, with the BDO Alliance, it's, you know, I was at a firm where we were part of the, is it Russell Bedford, I think? Is that one of them? I don't know. It's just, all I know is that those alliances, you know, you, you have access to CPA firms throughout the whole world and, you know, you can send work back and forth. You refer each other. You get discounts on softwares and things like that. And so that's what they're trying to do for the Latino community based on my conversations with them. And, you know, and part of that is, like you said, the education, the training and getting everybody up to speed and have a place to where people can go to for those resources that are non-existent. And it's a hugely underserved market because, I mean, Mm -hmm. you're talking about that you have Mexico, you have Brazil. These are huge countries, huge populations, and nobody's really there. Like, they're not in the grand scheme of the world. Like, Mm -hmm. we're still trying to convince people here you know, in Boston at this conference to use yeah, the cloud, yeah. right? And so and like nobody's using it at all. And so it's interesting to um, see that push. But each of these regions, and if I'm understanding correctly, like I have some knowledge of Mexico, like there's just nuances, right? Mm-hmm. Like an invoice, right? In Mexico, can you kind of give background on like specifics to each region or each country? So I know, at least with my experience, with what I've talked to, so, so again, you know, going back to zero and talking with some yeah. of these other partners, a big problem that, that, that's out there is it, when you invoice, the invoice needs to go through the government, it gets stamped that they approved it, and then it comes back. Is this a, like, is this paper? Is it digital? Yeah, it's digital. It's, so okay. they all open up. The, uh, the government has an open API that you can connect to it. But the problem is there's no app partners connecting to it. So, you know, companies like Zero are having a hard time coming into there because then you, you still have to use, you know, there's no third party to connect to it. Now, I know in, in Argentina, um, Gonzalo, which I know you guys had him uh, on uh, with zero. Yeah, he, we were walking the floor oh, yeah, and uh, yeah. he chatted with us. Yeah. And, like I was, I was just blown away to even. I had not heard about this alliance. What is it? Contab- Contabi Alliance. Yeah. Contabi Alliance, and to like that was my favorite moment. I think of the entire conference was meeting him and realizing that like cloud is it's going global and it, it, yeah, they, they've got they've got people in Argentina. So Contabi has and so a lot of their directors, they've got people in Argentina, which yeah. Gonzalo, they've got people in Mexico who are kind of championing this with with zero. They've got people in Costa Rica and, and other places that are kind of the champions of this that that are that are going to be kind of, you know, directing it into there, which is what I'm, you know, and, and just to kind of a a quick plug, uh, Zero Virtual Hour in Spanish. We're actually doing a Spanish one oh, awesome. here pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, I think next week or the week after. I, I don't remember quite the date, but the plan is to essentially have, you know, kind of what the Zero Virtual Hour is, but 
in that Spanish region and build it up to where we have these partners that are part of the Contabi that use zero kind of, you know, the breakout sessions per country so that they can focus on the problems that they have internally. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I can't help. I don't know anything about Mexican tax, you know? Yeah, uh, well, and, and I'm sure that, like, you know, the development team at Zero would have no idea <laughs> unless somebody told them. Yeah. That actually is, to bring it back to that invoice thing, right? What a, what a challenge. Like, let's say I'm saying, sending an invoice to David. You're telling me that I can't just send it directly to him. I have to send it to the, the government, government, federal government. Yeah, ba- based on my understanding, yeah. you know, from what I've been told and from what I understand, it has to go through the government. Mm-hmm. They have to stand that they approved it, and then it can go to David. And is that to make sure that, uh, what, they can track it for tax purposes? Or I, I'm a, guessing so, yeah. Wow. I guess they must have too many money laundering <laughs> <laughs> problems down there, whatever it is. So. Um but yeah, that, that, that's kind of the, the big, that's one of the big problems right now facing. And so I know like in Argentina, Facturante, which Gonzalo, I think is a part owner, they've solved that and they're, they're plugging to zero. Okay. And so some of these app partners are starting to come up in these different countries, you know, or some of these just, I know in Mexico, uh, GCAS, they, they built their own tool internally mm-hmm. to do it, you know, so, so a lot of these people are just kind of starting to come up with solutions themselves. And, and there's so, a tech scene in Latin America. I know uh, I have a friend that does a lot of stuff um, in uh, Nogales and Sonora, uh, startup weekend type things. But then I know there's apps, even at this conference, that have development teams in Brazil mm-hmm. building their apps. That cloud, cloud accounts have no idea that some Latinos have built the app they might be mm-hmm. using. Yeah. So when I was with uh, Aprio Cloud, a big part of our business was um, helping Australian and UK companies start a subsidiary in the US. Is that something you're seeing more of, is like uh, South American, Central American countries with like expanding into the US with subsidiaries? Or like, is that an opportunity? Me personally, I I haven't. Yeah, I I know like speaking with a lot of our members, especially the ones from Florida, they're seeing entities from like Colombia Mm -hmm. or Argentina have uh, um, some sort of enterprise in the States. And so, and their biggest thing is, how do I report that income to the IRS, right? How do I file those tax returns? Yeah. And so by us positioning ourselves as an organization of, if you have uh, any international issues, go to our event, take our online course, meet Jose, meet Philip, or whoever. We want to create like an ecosystem to serve the, those individuals. For sure. and, and I think that's kind of what Contabi Alliance is trying to solve, is, is your Argentinian company or a CPA firm or firm in Argentina, and your client wants to come over here, and you're part of Contabi, look up the directory you can find somebody in florida in houston in you know different place california that's in that network that can kind of you know help you with that and then you know connect with them and that way you guys know you know theoretically it's the same mindset theoretically so (laughs) and that's important because a lot of people when they come here they don't realize it's 50 governments not just one that you have to deal with right so. And don't even go to the local. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't open an office in New York City. <laughs> so, Jose, so if people want to stay connected with you, hire you, um, they, they want to become a client of yours, or they just want to connect with you on social, I know you're like multi-streaming to 16 services at the same time. <laughs> like, like how, I, actually, it's funny because I asked everybody who were interviewing to give me like their social profiles. And Jose just has this list. I was like, I don't have space for this. We're going to have the world's biggest show notes. So, Jose, please let us know. Uh, so, at ZTX Advisors across the board, um, Zavala at ztxadvisors.com email. You know, please reach out. Uh, I'd love to meet people. I mean, that that's my biggest thing. I love to talk to people. And, yeah, you know. But ZTX Advisors, 
I, I think I'm on everything, and it is exhausting, guys. <laughs> I'm lie to you. It is. And you mentioned a zero virtual hour. How can people learn about Ooh, that? If, yes, in yes, in yes, Spanish, yes, yes. you said, right? Yes, in Spanish. So we are, after this, I'm going to retweet the calendar. There's, there's an event link, mm-hmm. uh, Eventbrite link. And so that should have the Zoom calendar meeting. And so just follow me on social media as you guys will be able to see the, the link there. And then, uh, like I said, it's, the first one's just going to be us talking about what the program is, what we want to do. And then after that, we're going to try to mirror what the English version is. So I know the last one I was part of was cash for cash flow forecasting. They had, you know, Helm, Giraffe, and these other different app partners there talking. And so we kind of want to do the same thing, but in Spanish. Awesome. We'll get that link in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thank you guys. How about you, Tony? If people want to learn more about latinotaxpro.org. Well, I guess they should go there, right? Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> and, and then just, you know, search us under Latino Tax Pro. Um, every July, we're at the MGM for Latino Tax Fest. Oh, I, can around, I interrupt you on that? Yeah, like, yeah. I, we weren't able to go this year. But if you go to the Latino uh, Tax Fest mm-hmm. uh, conference website, basically it's a video of people dancing. Then another video of people dancing in a pool. I'm like, There's the, <laughs> this is like the greatest conference party I, ever. Like, I, is there even a conference? It, here's the problem. I don't know if I could go because I'd have to overcome my fear of dancing. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's why I became a musician, so I didn't have to do that. Maybe I can get in the band or something. But it's big, right? You get 3,000 attendees? It's a yeah, huge yeah. So, it's a, um, so in 2014, what was our first year of the event? We attracted 500 attendees the first year. And what we do, it's three days of classes. Uh, they're mostly tax updates. So people want to get the latest tax law and changes. So 500, year one. Year two, jumped up to 1,000. Year three, 1,500. Year four, 2,000. Year five, 2,500. And this year we hit about 2,800, uh, heading towards 3,000. And again, the same setup, three days of classes, two rooms, one English, one Spanish. Uh, A lot of these speakers are uh, enrolled agent CPAs, uh, IRS executives. This year, the the commissioner of the IRS was our keynote speaker. Um, And so, uh, again, serving the underserved, I think, is what's leading to the growth. Because people go and they want to learn. Uh, they want to have a community. They hang out with people that look like them, that speak their language, that serve the same market that they do. But what our next push is to start offering bookkeeping classes, accounting classes. Because out of the uh, 10,000 members we work with, about half of them also do bookkeeping in addition to tax. Everyone does tax preparation, but half of them also are doing bookkeeping. But there are like a lot on, on the legacy platforms, they, don't, they need help navigating the app ecosystem. So um, we're working with a lot of app partners to be able to teach and become, uh, give some more. Like with Right Networks, for example, we're doing a lot of content around like what is hosting, why how you can still uh, be on the cloud, etc. cetera. So um, yeah, hopefully you guys can make it next year because it's awesome. I'm, I'm right. penciling it in or putting it in. Guys, it is a lot of fun. It is. Uh, yeah. It was my first time going, and I was just like, yeah, I don't know why the heck I haven't been back. So. <laughs> awesome. Great to hear. Well, hopefully we can make it there. I think that's a wrap. Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah, thank you guys. It was a pleasure. Appreciate it. Awesome.